Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, hey, closet busters and closet dwellers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. And today, gosh, I hated it when, I don't know, I just thought about it that I was in school and I got teased and I felt isolated and I was weird. I was a little chubby guy and God, it just sucked. And then I started to realize, wait, 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 wait. Some of this was just simply because I did things a little bit different than other people. But yet in those moments, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I didn't try to be like everybody else, that I wasn't going to be liked and I wasn't going to be appreciated and I wasn't going to be loved and all these other things that we think that we aren't going to be because we're different. Yet, sometimes it's those beautiful differences that can truly turn us into the heroes. And I happened to come across our guest today because he reached out to me and, and he talked about a book he had written, which at the time that he reached out to me, I had actually just finished having a conversation someone who, with someone who was feeling really out of place because they were different. And then lo and behold, Craig Pomeran sends me this email saying, hey, I have this book. And... Um, it just was one of those perfect storm moments because I thought this would be a really great opportunity to once again bring the spotlight to the world of what it means to be different and to be totally who you are. And that is why today I am bringing author Craig Pomeranz onto the show to talk about his book, Made by Rafi. So Craig, welcome to Life Uncloseted, man. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. And, and you, you expressed everything that is important about this book in that very brief moment, awesome. um, especially, especially as an adult. And what, one of the things that I've learned if I, I'm starting ahead is because uh, I didn't realize how impactful, I forgot how impactful a children's book could be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of who I hear from are from the, from the adults who say they recognize themselves in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important. And, and in this day and age, I'm, I'm finding that a lot of adults are turning inward <laughs> even at a deeper degree, I think, than before, because there's so much going on in the world that's starting to question our values and what we stand for and things that we no longer will tolerate. And I think your book kind of shines that spotlight on, yes, we have differences and all this stuff, but that doesn't mean you have a right to treat me like crap or any of that stuff. And I'm glad we're having this conversation because as I said, I think this is not just about kids at this stage. I think it's about all of us stepping forward to say these things are important and allowing people to be their beautiful different self is really important. So where did you start with this? Was it like you had some own, your own personal experiences or it was just something that you started observing in other people and you said, you know what? I really think I want to do this. Where did it come from for you? 
Well, I, I think like you, we, we all have experienced and see these experiences through everybody throughout our lives. Mm-hmm. Everyone has felt different at some point for some reason, whether your ears stick out or whether your color is different or your nose is bigger or smaller. Um, this happened to be an incident with my godson that actually happened. Um, and he said what I thought at nine years of age was a most remarkable question and that he had, uh, he was feeling uncomfortable. And I said, well, what's the problem? What's wrong? And he said, you know, he doesn't like noise. He doesn't like, he's not so into sports and he, he's learned how to know, sew and knit. And then he said, is there such a thing as a Tom girl? Hmm. And just that word just threw me for a loop. Like that this intuitiveness of this little kid because Tom Boy is kind of like a positive thing now. You know, it's like, oh, she's aggressive and she's assertive and she's, she can do things that boys can do. And Tom right. Girl immediately has this sort of other negative thing, which also mm-hmm. brings up a lot of questions. Like, why is feminine a negative thing? And what does that say to girls? I mean, it's just, it, it becomes complicated in all of those ways. And I, I literally, I, I really went home and wrote the book um, because it just resonated so much to me. And uh and I thought it was important, really important. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it is that negative connotation when that role gets reversed? Tomboy is, okay, we get that. But, and I love this, the Tom girl. I've never, I never heard that, but I kind of, I love it. It's, that it's, was originally, that, that was what I wanted to call the book, actually. Yeah. Every, the publishers thought it was too provocative. Mm-hmm. But why do you think it's not as acceptable for it to go that reverse route? I, that's the, the question that I, mm-hmm. I, because what's weird about it to me is that I don't think people recognize how the misogyny works in that way. You mm-hmm. know, like already as what does it say to little girls? Like that, that it's an, it's a negative thing. Like why? And I, Gloria Steinem, I always quote Gloria Steinem on this or paraphrase her. She said, she had said, we've, we've come to a point where we've learned to raise our daughters more like our sons, but mm-hmm. very few have the courage to raise our sons more like our daughters. And it's so true. And I have no idea why. I mean, I think that it's, it's the way the media and, and ads and how we've grown up and, and how we stereotype things and put things yeah. in a very limited notion of who we are as people and what is authentic and what is not. You just said something that caught my ear, the limited notion. And I think that's so true. And I'm kind of letting that one sink into me because a limited notion, it's like, okay, if we just see these thoughts as n- like notions, which I know for <laughs> some people go, I don't ever hear that word used very much. I guess I did because I grew up in an era and on a farm in Colorado with, you know, grandparents who were very simple people. And my grandmother used to say, well, you know, that's an interesting notion and stuff like that. But if we really saw so much of what we think is just these like little limited notions instead of going, wait, why are we making such a big deal out of this? Let's just let it be and see what happens. I think we get so caught up these days in, okay, this is that label and no, that that doesn't fit the paradigm and, you know, this doesn't fit that role and so on and so forth. And then we get this tension building and then suddenly we're at each other's throats. So I think that could be part of it. It's like we have created this, this view of what a more masculine girl would look like but we can't embrace a view of what a, a more feminine boy would look like unless we call him a sissy. Right. Well, and, and, and it, it's informed by what we are uh, grow up and learn. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, even as evolved as, as many of us hope we are and have become, 
you know, you, you still see it's inherently how we were raised and, and those social structures are put on us at such a young age. It's really hard to get rid of them. And I don't want to change the subject, but it's interesting to me that uh, a lot of parents who are evolved, one of the things that I've noticed, because I hear from people all over the world, and is how, you know, they're perfectly fine. There's, they're perfectly fine with their maybe their little boy wearing heels at home or something, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then they say to them, but, you know, this is probably something you should do at home. Don't do it outside. Then they don't see the negative. They, then they add the negativity to what they've already tried to say. You should be who you are. But wait a minute, not so much who you are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's an issue of how you help someone not become a victim of the world. When they become their authentic self and who they are, the more you are that person and find yourself and try on all the different skins that make you who you are, the more people learn to know you and respect you and accept you. And it's not even about tolerance. It becomes like, oh, well, that's Rafi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not like that's something else. And that's, I think, important. And one of, the, one of the things I hope the book helps people, because I really want kids to not become victims to their circumstances. And to your point, if we don't allow our truest selves to show up, then we can't have impact in the world. We are showing up as less than who we're meant to be less than who we know we are. And so then, of course, the spiral goes backwards, you know, and then I won't come out, I won't do anything, I will only just show up to get through life. And then whether it's about sexuality or other things, we have people walking around who literally aren't giving of themselves because somebody somewhere said, well, you probably don't want to wear those heels outside of the house. And that's the first thing that says, well, what else am I not supposed to do outside of the house that makes me weird, a, you know, queer, whatever it is that the words start to flow. And then suddenly we end up and here we are, these really screwed up human beings because one person said you shouldn't probably do that. And it's all a question of ignorance. And, and mm-hmm. when I say ignorance, I mean, I mean really just a lack of knowledge of who something is. And, and the example of uh, my godson was that um, he was a, different kid as whatever that means. Um, and he was sort of jittery. And so I, I'd actually wanted to give him dance lessons, which I ended up not doing um, because I dance. And, uh, and so I, I uh, instead gave him knitting needles. He learned mm-hmm. to sew. And so the kids started teasing him because they said it was kind of a quote unquote girly thing to do. But the more he did and brought in to show how talented he was at it, mm-hmm. they started to think, oh my God, well, you know, maybe you'll, make something for me one day, you know, it's like all of a sudden it comes, you know, and and so the more, the more you know about someone and who they are, then, you know, it becomes real. As you're saying, it's all about realness and uh, authenticity is a word we use all the time. But I find it fascinating that this, the more you know someone, the more real it becomes. (laughs) It's like, let's take your little godson. And how old was he when this happened? Seven, eight, eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then suddenly, let's add 10 or 20 years to that, and maybe he's a well-known designer. Yeah. Suddenly, it's acceptable. It's, okay. it, you know, for most people, it's acceptable. We still have the fringes that are like, oh, no, 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 no. But it's such an interesting, like, jump. You can go from being the, the weirdo, the queer little kid or whatever, and then, boom, you jump, and you're the talk of the town. And... I find it 
almost frustrating that that's how we do this as humans. It's like, why don't we just start? How we measure success is the weird. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, like you, you have a certain kind of power, you have a certain kind of financial power. And, and unfortunately, that's a, a big role in how we measure people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so, I'm curious, from your own perspective, when this happened with your godson, did you feel some essence of yourself showing up going, oh, I get that. I've been there. Of course not. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I was I started working professionally as a as a singer and an actor when oh. I was ten years old, eleven years old, oh. and um and uh, in St. Louis. Okay. And, uh, so that was not that was not something that Orthodox right. Jews did in St. Louis. <laughs> so everyone was like, "What's this kid doing?" Um, but uh, it was such a passion for me, as it still is, yeah. and I think that that passion was authentic and that I think people recognized it and they saw how, how I was becoming successful at it. And therefore they were like, okay, we get it. Which by the way, didn't stop the teasing. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. people still, as I got older, thought it was odd. And because I was also separated from the school because I was working all the time sometimes. So, But in that odd, you just said it, that was a beautiful example. The odd was you're doing something different, but Oh, it's even odd that you're like, not really in school a lot because you're a working actor, you know, it's a working child actor, a working child musician. So now suddenly you're already odd because of that, because you don't fit the mold that everybody else thinks you should fit. And then you lay in your artistic abilities on top of that. And then again, the snowball begins to just, you know, roll. And before you know it, you're just like this weird odd out kid, you know, that nobody can really relate to. You never lose that feeling, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. But as we're saying, as we're saying, everyone, everyone, and it's not a sexuality thing. Everyone has felt that, as we've said, whether it's the, you know, whether it's you're the Latin kid at a school that's all white kids or whatever it might be. I mean, everyone has had that experience in some way. Mm-hmm. It's navigating it. That's the, the uh, hard part, having the support to be able to navigate it and not make it a serious problem. Uh, because, and I think... The thing is, and you have kids, right? You're, yes. You're, you're, uh, yep. um, that's my. That's good for you. Um, and uh, we, you want so much to protect your kids, yep. but you can't protect them from everything. And mm-hmm. they also have to go through these experiences themselves. And you don't want them to be hurt, but you, you also have to let them have these experiences so they can also try on these different skins and become who they are. Mm-hmm. So. What would you say your godson probably has learned most from this experience? I would, uh, I would say he's learned. He has. Uh, that's a good question. I think that he he learned that if you focus on something and really love something, um, that first of all you can finish it, mm-hmm. which a lot of kids don't realize. Yeah. So he he's able to finish something, and he also learned that. Uh, that people will respect him for sticking his stick-to-itiveness. Is that, you know, and, and, yep, yep. Um, and the feeling of accomplishment, like that he's, he accomplished something and, and the fact that it's a little unusual, um, I think was inspiring to him, mm-hmm. you know, and it made him think, you know, I can learn how to, maybe I should sew. So he learned how to sew after that, after the knitting, he learned how to sew. Mm. And, uh, and he did some very peculiar and I mean, in a positive way, things, you know, I mean, and he would, he would all of a sudden, he would say, I'm going to learn how to sew. And he would take paper and he would 
come over and meet my friends. And I, my, uh, I have this friend who's this lovely woman with a fabulous figure and he would like run up to her with tape measures and she was like you know wait wait a minute <laughs> it's That's like, right. he's like wanting to tape you know what's your bus size and she's like um what's going on here you know kind of thing um so it's interesting he just uh he moved forward and and it didn't it, all the other stuff was able to roll off his back a little bit mm-hmm. a little bit yeah i think that is the one thing that most people miss is when you enable yourself to move forward you don't necessarily have to take everyone else with you. <laughs> yes. But the moment you feel like, okay, I'm moving forward and you who don't agree with me or you who don't get me, come on, I need you to move forward with me in order for me to feel validated. That's when we, we screw up the most. And it's hard because we as humans, we want people moving forward with us. We don't want to feel isolated. We don't want to feel alone. Yet, I think most of us, when we step back and say, okay, in this situation, if the thing that I can do best is to move forward and keep myself happy, that's what's most important. And then whoever chooses to come along with me, that then becomes kind of the icing and the bonus, so to speak. Those are lovely, lovely thoughts and sentiments. Those are the other issues we have in life is yep. to know that we deserve to be happy. Not so mm-hmm. easy. No, it's not so easy. But you know, it's interesting. I was. No, we deserve to be loved for who we are. Is not so easy. Mm -mm. And I wish people would realize in those moments, even though it does sound good, you know, as Craig just pointed out, what I said is like really a beautiful sentiment. That going that route isn't necessarily going to be the easiest path, but if you give yourself permission to say, "I'm going to go there." you probably won't regret it most of the time. Yes, there'll be pieces of it that will, will, you would like to not have to go through. But I know for me, as I went through some of the toughest stuff in my life, coming out of the closet late in life, you know, having two young children, all this sort of stuff, I now sit and go, this podcast would not be happening had it not been for that. I wouldn't know myself the way I do and be able to have these kind of conversations and, and, and look at things from that different point of view had I not given myself that scary permission to go through and do the hard work that had to happen. It's important growth. Mm-hmm. It's very important growth. And, and, uh, and one of the wonderful things about what you're doing with just this podcast and all the other things that I'm sure you do is, is you, you have conversations and other people grow from it also. Mm-hmm. And as you said, sometimes it's not easy. But for the most part, it's hard to not hear something. Yes. Which is why it's hurtful and good mm-hmm. because then it, it, it forces you to sort of look at it and internalize it and then hopefully make it become a part of who you are and who you want to become. Right. But also to your point about the book, one of the things that, you know, as I started reading about it and everything, one of the things that I love about it is it's, yes, it's a, it's a story about a young boy and it's, a, you know, kind of positioned as a kid's book yet Anybody could sit down and read it and learn something from it because we're all different. Every one of us has something that somebody's going to say, Oh, you're weird. That makes you really different. Yeah. But you sometimes at the, at the barest, at, at the lowest common denominator, we're all different. Yeah. And we well, forget yeah, that as adults. One of the, one of the fascinating things about having this book out there was, was it is now in, it's in uh, 11 countries and eight languages. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the fascinating things for me was hearing from people all over the world because you start to realize, you know, human nature is human nature. It crosses all cultures. Every human being feels these things and they, they have different stories along the same lines. The surprising element to me was how many parents write me to say, you know something, I read your book and from reading it, I realized that my child might actually be the bully. And that was I, I loved that because it was totally unexpected. Sure. But it's interesting that, so as you're saying, it's like, you know, you find what you want to find in a book and you can see all these different things and it, it, it touches on all these subjects. So that's really fascinating to hear a parent say that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's actually some beautiful mindfulness and awareness of, Oh, this gave me the insight to see something that I wasn't seeing. Yeah. You know, and I can't imagine the power that must have, you know, how powerfully that must have impacted a parent sitting there reading that book with their child or alone. And then suddenly going, wait, I, I see this so clearly. And um, I know we, to some degree, my husband and I went through a little bit of, little bit of that with our kids, not much. And what was interesting is we didn't discover it until just recently. <laughs> And, you know, now our kids are 20 and 23 and then some family conversations happened over the last holidays and suddenly it's like, yeah, we didn't talk about this when we were in grade school too much because we were afraid of getting teased and bullied that we had gay dads. I'm like, okay, well, where was this? Where was this when this was happening? You know, but it is a fascinating thing how something can be written like this book, you know, your beautiful book made by Rafi. And then it starts to touch generation after generation after generation after generation. Because I think what you've done, Craig, is you bought it back to the what I said, the common denominator. Every one of us in some way, shape, or form has either felt different, been bullied, told we were weird, whatever. Even the bullies themselves, which we, I think most people realize, the bullies are the ones who probably have been the most abused so they act out in that way shape and form to make themselves feel valid or the most afraid of something that they don't understand absolutely 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 so as this book has come to market and now it's in all those countries and all those different languages one of the questions i was really mulling over is does it do you ever get any like feedback from other countries that is a little bit different than let's just say the good old USA language, you know, you know, typical English interpretations. It was was the whole process because it was my first book was very interesting. One of the, one of the first countries that bought the book was Italy. Hmm. And what was interesting was they wrote and they said, what we want, we want this book. We request that you uh, cut the hair of Rafi's character. It's too long. And I was sort of like said to my publisher, they asked me if that was okay. And I said, I, sure, I guess. I mean, I, but I was thinking it's kind of part of the point of the story, <laughs> you know, that, right. that you know, but, um, and aside from that, my, my godson happens to be blonde. So mm. the original Rafi in the book was blonde and, um, and they got all these people from China and Asia saying, well, we can't buy this book if it's a blonde character. Do you mind? Um, I, just, I always said they want to dye his hair. Mm-hmm. So, like, right. so that's why Rafi has brown hair. So it's, you know, it's, and then it's the same thing. Uh, Turkey was really interested. And in, one of the first emails I got was from someone from Turkey and they were really interested in publishing the book, except that with the new regime, mm-hmm. they said it's just too provocative. They can't do it at this time. Wow. Uh, 
So that's, yeah, you know. But that shows the impact of, of the story. It's like, we want to do this. And it's such a beautiful alignment, even though they're like, we can't do it. But that's, that says it's pushing up against some societal barriers right now that are good to be even pushed up against. Country, even in our country, one of, the, one of the strangest emails I ever got, and I'm not, I don't want to generalize all about Texas, but was right. from a newspaper editor in Southern Texas who wrote to me, he had gotten this book from a friend and he was going to do a book review about it. And he talked it over with all of their editors and they said, we can't review a book like this in this paper. You know, we're in Southern yeah. Texas. And I, I was just like, it was hard for me to understand. You know, he said, he said, you know, I, I hope that will change one day, but we, I just want you to know that I loved your book. And unfortunately I'm not allowed to review it. So. But that shows you not that we're either one surprised <laughs> how much work there is yet to do absolutely on a global basis towards acceptance, whether it's LGBTQ acceptance, whether it's racial acceptance, whether it's gender equality, it shows so much of the gaps that still exist yeah. and how one small book, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but a small book about a simple yet powerful story can push up against some of the biggest societal barriers that keep us from moving forward as a society. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's been the most, most just compelling thing that's come out of this book for you personally, Greg? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I think that as a, as a performer, it, it's always that when you come across an individual uh, telling you something, that's what always uh, hits you the most. So when I get, you know, I got a, a line, a drawing uh, was sent to my publishers and forwarded to me from a little girl from Korea mm. who wanted to, who wanted to uh, she thought of a cape that she thought that the character Rafi should make. Mm. So that way, you know, that, and then the emails that I get, I mean, every, you know, um, and then the, I, I mean, don't know if I remember telling you that uh, Amanda McBroom, who wrote yes. the award-winning song, The Rose, she had read the book and then she wrote this beautiful lyric and Michelle Brown wrote this song called Different, which, um, which uh, inspired by the book. And they, I recorded that and released that last year. I mean, it's just, mm. you know, it's, it's just knowing that you've touched someone that's why you do anything you do. And, sure. and I think that the, that kind of intimacy among individuals is, is a rare and wonderful thing when you have it. So you embrace it when you can. Mm -hmm. What do you think you've grown most from having released this? Um, it's challenging to, it's challenging to try and help people understand that it's, it's such a simple solution in a complicated idea. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, it's like it, these concepts are so convoluted and they're so complicated, but the reality is they're really very simple. It's like if you allow someone just to go about their life and make their mistakes and own who they are, you know, you learn to embrace them as who they are. It's mm -hmm. as, uh, it sounds simple, but it's not. And, uh, and that's what's important to me, it seems. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I hope for people. Because the more, the mm -hmm. more you do own yourself, the less of a victim you will be to things. Mm. I mean, that's my thought. I mean, that's, I'm not, it sounds simpler than it is, but that's, that's one thing that I, um, I love that though, because it's very true. And I think, especially in the LGBTQ world, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's not like this in many other 
different segments of you know our world where we are marginal where there are very many marginalized communities but i know i can speak to it because i'm in a community um is we tend to allow the victimhood to show up because i think we at times are afraid to own who we really are well i think that also i think that there's a mistaken idea that if you voice the victim and victimization then you you're heard more or something mm-hmm. and i i think that's and also these things that we're talking about they happen within the community right I yeah mean, mm-hmm. and that's one of the other issues that i wish would whatever the community is you know that you know you don't have to make someone who wears a flannel shirt and say well obviously you right. know and you know um even though we all have examples that are mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason the reason we are these examples but um so yeah i mean it would it so it's it's bad enough that the world at large puts these labels on you and constricts you it's yeah. worse when you're in your own community you treat people the same way you know it's interesting because yeah, i was it's just really hard I was, because we grow up with these things we grow yeah. up watching tv and saying wow but uh, Yeah, I just was recording another podcast episode with someone else and this whole similar conversation came up around the closets that we come out of just to step into a whole nother closet. And I think a lot of people in, in many communities, whether it's the LGBTQ community or corporate communities or, you know, entrepreneurial communities. It's like, okay, we're going to go do this thing. We're going to, we're going to make that big leap, whatever that leap is or a bold move as I would say. And we make the bold move. And then when we get on the other side of it, we step into the new closet that somebody says, Oh, okay. So now that you're part of this, this is how you act. And if you're part of this as an entrepreneur, this is what entrepreneurs do. And if you're this, is and then suddenly we're right back in the same kind of closet it's not the same closet but a similar kind of closet well the the reason i what i've never understood and one of the other problems i think we all have in the world is this concept of stopping bullying and i i I don't think you can stop bullying and i don't i think everyone approaches it mostly in the wrong way um because you can't stop bullying (laughs) it's just there's a human nature about seeing something and trying to and comparing it and Mm -hmm. wanting to understand the differences. And, you know, I'm not saying that anything, anyone should be teased in a bad way and certainly not violently, but that issue I think should be put aside. And what we need to force ourselves to understand is how do we make ourselves whole enough so that we don't put ourselves in those positions to be bullied? That's Mm -hmm. a different situation. Um, but in those communities, as you're saying, you know, you get, I have a, I have a friend who came out and you know, he's, he was a man in his uh, in his seventies, and he was like five five in his seventies, and he's like in this world that he is completely invisible. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like it was hard enough for him to even get to that point. Yep. And um, and now, and I, I, you know, you only wish for people to be happy in whatever choices they make. Absolutely. So it's just like you know, how do you help someone? You know, understand that you're supported and you're loved for who you are. But I think it's hard to be loved and supported for who you are unless you know who you are. Yeah. And take your own stand. In fact, that came out in that interview as well of how I can't love something that I try to control. And and the other guest said, and I realized I was so trying to control everything in my life, including myself, 
that I wasn't loving myself and I wasn't allowing myself to see myself. And it's so interesting that we're having a very similar conversation here because the sooner we can love ourselves and be who we're really meant to be with as little judgment as possible from ourselves. I don't, I'm not even talking about outside of ourselves, but the judgment we put on ourselves, the easier it's going to be for us to walk strongly forward and not allow, as you say, not allow ourselves to be bullied because the bottom line is nobody can make us feel anything. Right. We take that on and we go, Oh, he made me feel that. No, you allowed that feeling to come to the surface about what just happened to you. Yes. They created the situation, but you get to operate in choice. But now about how long that journey was. Yes. Get to that place. That's why when I, when I looked at, when I was looking at your website and and what you do, I was thinking his kids, your kids must be so proud of you because the journey it took for you to get to here must've been so hard for you to be able to go forward from there. And I mean, that's, you know, you can't just sort of discount it and say it never happened. Right. Right. No, it has to be be a part of who you are now. And no, it's a part of my story for the rest of my life. It's all, it's part of my essence of who I am. And it, it, it impacts as much as what, impacts and I don't even know Rafi but I'm sure this will carry forward with him every time he does anything that somebody goes oh that's different it will always it, that, that little pebble in the shoe will be there yeah but hopefully because of this beautiful experience in the book and how you helped him you know see himself in this beautiful light it will always be the pebble will get smaller and smaller and smaller because being different is so beautiful it's the uniqueness of ourselves that we bring to the world that nobody else can bring. That's true. So uniqueness is the operative word. It is a very operative word. So, so what's next for you, Craig, really quickly, as we wrap up, you got more books in the uh, works. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, uh, I've, I've written a couple of books on empowering, more empowering children, one on body image, actually, which is mm. I really want to get out there. Um, mm-hmm. it's called my face is funny. Mm. I really want to get out there. And other than that, I'm, you know, I've traveled the world. I'm off to, uh, I'm singing in New York and then I'm off to London to sing and, and then uh, see my publishers there and hopefully force them to do this book. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, thank you so much for what you're bringing to the world. It's such important work. Again, the book is my, now I'm going to screw it. Yes. Made by Rafi. And I just want to kind of put the emphasis on this at the very end that when you think you are your most weird or you're doing something that is most different in my world. And I think Craig will agree with me. That's when you are seeing your most truth of who you are, because that is truly who you are meant to be. Thank you so much for being here, Craig, and sharing yourself with us today. I so appreciate it, man. And I can't wait. I love the title of the new book. My face is funny. I want to see that book come out too. So thank you again for being here. Thank you, and thank you for the work you're doing. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. 
catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.